Well, welcome, welcome to the Leadership Lounge. Here we are, uh, and we have a fantastic guest with us uh, today, uh, and, and a fantastic topic, which personally, both myself and the guests find really, really important in the way that we lead people. Um, so, welcome. My guest is Lizzie Girling, uh, a retired head teacher. Lizzie, we've known each other for many years. So, welcome to the Leadership Lounge. Thank you, Colin. I'm looking forward to it. So, I know you very well, uh, but the uh, audience <laughs> in the Leadership Lounge don't. So, tell us a little bit about yourself and your leadership kind of role? Um, I've been in the teaching community for the last 33 years, um, came to Suffolk as an NQT and, and stayed because I got married and had two children. And my career has gone from strength to strength. Um, I've worked in some really challenging schools, I've worked in schools that were in special measures and, and thoroughly enjoyed the process. For the last 16 years of those lovely 33 years, I've been a head teacher, mm. um, head teacher in primary school the majority of my time, um, collaborating and working with an infant school and a junior school, putting them together as one. Mm. Um, so it's been a really, really exciting time. And I've, to be honest, I've loved every single minute of it. There hasn't been a moment where I've thought, what am I doing that for? Mm. So no, it's been <laughs> cracking, lovely. Mm. And I know as uh, fellow head teachers, when we worked and collaborated together, your your vibrancy and having um, visited you in your own school and seen you work with your staff, uh, the way you worked with your team was uh, transformational, not just for your team, but for your children as well. And that's one of the reasons I've kind of asked you today, you've got to know you really well. We share that love of that same keyword of, of empowerment. And that's the topic of our podcast today is empowerment, how we work with people and empower them and the difference that can, can make. Um, so Lizzie, what is empowerment all about for you? I mean, I'm, I'm saying we share this. Uh, you've come along today when I talked to you about the topic, so, so you do. But so what is empowerment for you? What, what is it all about? I think for me, it's always been about finding the strengths in people that maybe they don't realise they've had mm. or they've got and being able to um, challenge them, excite them into understanding what those strengths are mm. and then using it for their own benefit within their career, but more importantly, the benefit of the children in front of them. Mm. Um, I've seen it work. I've seen people come from feeling like they can't do it to the point where they're feeling really excited and then part of senior leadership team. But really, it's more about learning about themselves mm. and seeing that joy within them. It's just that's that for me is everything mm. is empowerment. Mm. So we've got this key word here of seeing them. Firstly, what you're describing there is first you see them. You see them for who they are. And then the transition of empowerment allows them to see themselves. Yep. Uh, and what I also love about what you're talking about there is there is a purpose for this empowerment. It isn't just about being good for them. You've then talked about it then ultimately being, in the case of schools, for the ones you serve, which is the children. Absolutely. So there's this sense of empowerment takes you a journey of you seeing them so that they can see in themselves, so that they can then see how they can benefit others by taking who they are in, into that arena. So tell us a little bit then about your approach to working uh, with, with teams. So, you know, you, you've talked about, you work with an infant and a junior school, you were head over the two, uh, which I, I know in itself is, you know, quite, quite something. Um, so you're working with teams and teams of people. Tell us a bit about how you kind of approached uh, approach that to empower them? I think one of the most important things that I found, particularly when collaborating, pulling two schools together, was having that sense of who I was. So I was quite clear about who I was, mm. what I stood for. So they were under, under no illusion about what, what the expectations were and, and how passionate I was about school, education and children. Yeah. And then, of course, the process is, is by, by getting to know each and individual person. I want, and that takes time, that takes energy. Yeah. But it's it's really exciting. So you, I talk to every single member of staff, whatever role they took, because it's important to understand that a school is a community and, and if we empower teachers, we empower teaching assistants, we empower our office staff. Everybody works towards something that is the, the vision. So I would always get to know them individually. We would then work together as teams. And I would actually work alongside them. Mm. I would teach with them. I would be in their classrooms with them. Not, not under the premise of, dare I say, you know, 
book looks and observations mm. and all of those things. But as a, as a shared goal that we were working towards, mm. they would find out what I was like as a teacher, what they were like as a teacher, and they would come up with some shared things that we could mm. then work mm. on together. Mm. So uh, what I love there, I know you've got still more to talk through with us, but um, just to particularly pull this through for our podcast listeners, I'm, what I'm hearing here is a real sense of emotional intelligence. Yes. So if we look at the, and this is so key for us as leaders, and emotional intelligence, the core component is know yourself and then know the others. And then it's about building that bridge between the two. And so you talked about for you as leader, really knowing yourself, knowing what you stood for, your, your leadership, what you want it to look like, the moral imperatives in your school, the vision and the purpose, really knowing that yourself. You then talked about getting to really know them and know who they are to take time over that. It's not a quick fix, is it? Get to know them. And then you've talked about bridging the two where you just partnered with them, worked alongside, modeling, uh, collaborating, uh, so that really what you're talking about is just grafting some of that DNA that you have um, grafting that into them, but not turning them into you, but working in partnership with them so that they can see what that looks like uh, in them. So this is the vision, the purpose of the school. Let me model it to you. Let me show it to you. Let me soak you in it. And now what? Are, and getting to know them and how they can bring who they are into it. I mean, does that summarise? Absolutely. Because in fact, actually, nobody wants two Lizzies. Because that, that is, to be honest, in any school is just too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got to know you for many years, Lizzie. I, I love who you are and what you stand for, your vibrancy. Uh, but you're saying two would be too much, is it? Yeah. Is that like it, having two pieces of chocolate cake? Uh, exactly One that. is marvellous, but yeah, two you just, two just yeah, too much. You're just too, too full. Sweet. Yeah, too sweet. <laughs> but I think one of the th things is about in any school, in any environment, is making sure that you have... Uh, a wide variety of people that then brings out other things in other people. Mm. So I would I would go in and work on those sorts of things. There would be I don't, an amazing Senko that would then come in and do their bit. Mm. So what it created then was a, a well-rounded happy teacher and therefore a well-rounded happy class. Um, and therefore it ended up being a well-rounded happy school where mm. people... Were, were keen to come and work, were keen to come and join the school. And it was it was so exciting. Mm, Do you mm. know what? Those, those were the best days ever. Mm. And even those days when there were challenging, you know, expectations from, you know, the government and mm. local authority, there was still that drive to be passionate about what our goal was and that mm. was to provide quality education for, for mm. children because that was our job. Yeah. And what I love here, again, what we're hearing is this, this key element of being really clear on what our purpose is as an organisation. But you just described there almost a sense of jigsaw and people understanding for us to be a really good team to support the needs of these children. We are like a jigsaw. We're, we're all pieces Absolutely. in this jigsaw. And, and what you're talking about is helping them identify their what piece of the jigsaw they they bring to this and when people understand this is who i am what i bring then and we bring that together we create a much stronger stronger picture of what we're then contributing yeah. in this case to children yeah. um so that's really powerful that empowerment principle then what you're talking about is getting is knowing yourself clearly first who oh, yeah. you are knowing <laughs> what your purpose is and and in terms of the school purpose working alongside others with that, but getting to know them, helping them see their piece in, in the jigsaw. Um, and as you say, not turning them into something that you're not, um, but making sure that they bring who they are yeah. as part of that. Are there any other key components for you in addition to I th that? I think being able to work as a team and therefore being able to relay some of those things that they've learned from themselves mm. and being given the opportunity to apply those and practice those with other people within their team. One, uh, we did a project at the school where we actually devised a group of people working together. We, we chose the right people in that group because what we wanted to actually get was those, those members of staff that have actually understood that empowerment and we wanted it to encourage across everybody else. Mm. So we use them, you know, 
that sounds a bit wrong saying we use them, but we use their skills and their abilities to actually then empower other people. Yeah. So that they get that feeling of, I've been successful too because I've empowered somebody else. Yeah. And then it starts evading all the way through every single process, you know, down to, you know, the cooks, yeah. cleaners, yeah. everybody yeah. in a school environment. Yeah. I think there is this sense, isn't it, when you, if you know your purpose, your contribution, uh, and how how you make a difference to others, then that gives meaning to life. But so it's really crucial, and a key part of this is understanding who am I and what do I bring, and not trying to be yeah. somebody else, but to be themselves. I remember having a conversation with someone recently about this, actually, and um, I, I told the the, the the kind of traditional Bible story of. David and Goliath. I don't normally necessarily talk to some of my, you know, my clients about Bible stories, but this particular one, it was quite apt. So the, the story about David and Goliath, so the big giant, isn't yeah. it? And the little shepherd boy, David. There's a bit in the story which most people don't know, just before the big fight uh, with the booming giant and, and the little shepherd boy, is the king calls the David, the shepherd boy up and says, look, if you're gonna go and fight the giants, look, I'm really worried about you, so put on my armor. So he gives the little shepherd boy his king's armour. Well, of course, David is standing there. <laughs> he's a shepherd boy. And this guy is a king. He's not as big as the giant, obviously. But look, clearly, like, he's clunking around in this yep. king's armour. Yep. And the, David, the shepherd boy, just says, no, look, you can have your armour back because I can't fight in your armour. I have to fight with my armour. And, and he was a shepherd boy. So he so said, I'm used to the slingshot for fighting lions and tigers and bears, I might. Oh, no, I'm missing another story in there. He didn't really break into Wizard of Oz with lions and tigers and bears, I might. But he did say, yeah. um, look, I'm used to fighting, you know, lions and other things, attacking my sheep with my slingshot. So he goes out with his slingshot. And obviously, we know the end of the story. He fires his slingshot, hits him in the forehead, knocks out the giant. And I was talking to this client about this just to say, you got to you got to fight with your own armor. I need to quickly reiterate what she was going to do was not fight somebody else, but you know the metaphor yeah. Yeah. of going, being you, and using your strengths, your talents, your skills, your purpose, your drive, in that context. So it is really key, isn't it, for people to know who am I and what do I bring? And when we illuminate that in them, and they get that clarity. They've got so much more energy, and it will energise them when they're working in that context. And then it energises the rest of the school. Yeah. And I think that's when you begin to see the team coming together. Mm. And in fact, actually, that's when you can actually, when you walk into a school, you can actually feel it. Um, you know, whatever label Ofsted mm. gives, mm. you can feel that purposefulness. Mm. You can feel that that sense of, yeah, they've got it. Yeah. Because it's not just, you know, the head or the deputy. It's everybody, mm. and every class you go into, it's unique. Mm. And that's the joy of education. It mm. is unique in every situation you find yourself in. Yeah, uh, but a key component of that, as you're describing it from your unique, was that you worked on empowering people, and, and oh, yeah. we've just seen it as a key part of that. And so I've been um, thinking about this from work with a number of organizations, and, and for me, it's about a process with empowerment as well. I think, first of all, it is this identify that we've just been talking yeah. about. Then it's, so you identify in them what they, they, they're quite good at um, and their potential. Then you enlighten them to see uh, who they are, what their strengths are, what energizes them as well when they deliver those strengths and, and the difference it can make and what they're capable of. Then you empower them to be themselves and develop their strengths. So you put them into those opportunities that allow them to do that. And then the, the fourth one, engage. You then engage them in those further opportunities that grow them. You think, what is it you need next to continue to help? So what I'd like us to do is kind of explore those yeah. key areas, really. Um, and so the first one is identify. And in some of the work that I do with organisations, um, I use a grid, which I call IP squared, simply because it's got three I's and three P's. So, uh, and they make, make this nice little grid. And those watching on YouTube will will, will bring that grid up for, for people to see. Um, and we'll possibly also put it just on the show notes in the in the podcast. So identify is their first kind of column. Yeah. Uh, and it talks about being purposeful by identifying the heart and character. So if we're looking at empowering people, being purposeful at identifying where's their heart, is it for others? What's their character like? Is there their integrity in them? Um, then identifying the personal purpose that they might have and helping them discover that. So what's their purpose, their values that they stand for and their strengths? 
And then the third one is identifying then some practical training and experiences yeah. they'll need to get them up and, and running as part of that. So although I've said, oh, this is my grid, this is what I think, what, what do you think? Do, do any of those, as that initial <laughs> stage of identifying ring true, um, so, for example, identifying the potential of someone, is that something that, that you, you do? It, I think it, it, it always has been. Not that I would have, you know, 16 years ago, 15 years ago, ever actually looked at it in that way. Yeah, you just and did I, it naturally. And I, that, it sort of feels a bit like that yeah. because, in fact, actually, after spending so long in the classroom myself and then going on to being, being ahead, you begin to realise the, the role that you play and if you are empowering and you're identifying your staff, mm. for whatever reason, whether they're superb at PE, you think, but everybody else needs to know that. The children need to feel that. The mm. children need to experience that. I would be a fool if I didn't actually say, I give you permission, go for it. Get out there, go and do what needs to be done for the mm. children. I wouldn't, I'd be doing my school a disservice. So all of that identification is absolutely crucial. Mm. I might have done it in slightly different ways. I might yeah. have sat down and had lunch with them or, you know, gone and had a coffee with them or whatever. But I think it's that personal approach that is absolutely crucial in mm. understanding mm. Um, and identifying what they need out of it all. Mm. And then providing them with the, the best opportunities to, to try it out, mm. to say... I give you permission to fail, to have a go at it. Mm. It doesn't matter because as long as we then come back and have a chat. So yeah, there's some really important bits in here. You're talking about creating a, a space of safety once you've Absolutely. helped them identify yeah. who they are and what they've got potential to achieve, but creating that culture of safety so they can try it out and you, you give them permission to get it wrong. Yeah. But another key component is this thing you've talked about, and then let's review it together. Yeah. So it's okay to make mistakes, providing we review them and learn them and grow from them, which is really key. So one of the other ones was, uh, this, the stage was around enlightening. Um, so how, because we can see it, I mean, I've been there, you look at this and you're, oh, you're amazing <laughs> at this. Yeah. And, and then if you start to chat to them about it, it's just like, they're like, no, I could never do that. And you just go, no, I can see this in you. Um, so how do we go about that practicality, particularly for those people who perhaps can't see it in themselves, but we see this amazing potential? How do you go about enlightening people to see what they're capable of? I think, I think one of the most important things is that it's, it's, the, it's the, the dripping tap. Mm that you, you drip feed. Mm. So, you know, I'm, I'm quite passionate and quite, I get quite excited about things. And, and even though, and I wouldn't temper that, I would go off and be my normal self, but then I'd come back and say, right, come on, let, let's pinpoint some of those really, really good things that I saw. And actually almost like, I'd draw it out. So I'd probably get a huge, great big piece of paper and draw out, this is what mm. I saw. Mm. This is what it felt like for me. How did it feel for you? Mm. Because a teacher puts in everything into what they do. Mm. Um, and they, they do get that feeling. But then we're not very good at actually saying, hey, I cracked that lesson, didn't I? Mm. Teachers don't do that. And actually, that's, that's, that's really sad. Mm. And I think it, you know, my job in my school when I was there was to say, I saw that. I've seen this. I've heard this. I've seen this in your books. What does that tell you? Mm. So if you were looking at somebody else, if you were going in, mm. what would you see? Because mm. this is what I've seen. Mm. And then they go, all oh, right. But it takes a while for teachers to really believe that they are good at something. Mm. Because we, we naturally or generally go to the could have done that a little bit better. Mm. And, and I guess that, you know, I think we probably see, I see that generally in people as well as specifically in teachers, but in that we've worked with teachers for many years and there is this because we're constantly around improvement and growth. That's yeah. what teaching is to a certain extent, isn't it? There's something more you can move on to. There's a culture that sits within them. And what I like you've talked about there is the dripping tap. So one of my phrases I love to use, fill the bath by the dripping tap, drip, drip, drip it into them. And what you've talked about there is helping them see the story because yeah. you, you tell them this is the story I'm seeing, this yeah. is what I'm seeing, yeah. and, and it's helping them recognise the narrative that could be there for them. And some, for some people that takes a little 
repetitive reminder yeah. each time for them to see what they're capable of. So I think that that's really, really important. One of the things I think is still really hard is those that are really scaled over, almost like if you imagine to use the dripping tap, you know, when the tap has been dripping and, and you get the lime scale that builds up around it and it's crusted and it forms quite hard. And for some people, they've perhaps been telling themselves a story for so long that, oh no, I'm not very good. I'm, I'm, I'm just one of these types of people. But you see that amazing potential, but it's so crusted over. How do we almost like, to use the metaphor, how do we, you know, de-lime scale them? Uh, how do we metaphorically get the, um, the white vinegar or the lemon juice in here? What, what helps to, to peel off that scale? I think one of the things that, that we've all got to remember is it's if you say it enough times you begin to believe it mm. however if it's only coming from one person it may be but that but that's lizzie's perception mm. what, what what about what about somebody else's perception um so it's it's using uh the, the skills that you have within your in your in your school it's also colleagues that are outside your sort of particular school you know working in a close-knit group of schools in um in Felixstowe I don't know whether I should have said that but there you go you can cut that out if you want no we no, do say it. Felixstowe because it you know it is an extraordinarily um special group of, and actually what we would then do was we would walk around schools with our team members and we yeah. would go to other schools and, and I would have dropped into one of my colleagues and say right when we go into that class could you actually talk about what you see? So in fact, actually, that person isn't just hearing it from my personal point of view, but from other people's point of view. Mm. So we've also done it in that way. I've also looked at research and said, this is something, how about reading this? Because this, is, this, is, this might be interesting to you mm. in depending on you know, what, what we're looking at, whether it's literacy or numeracy or just a particular strategy in teaching. Mm and giving them something to research on if they're particularly they're a reader. But knowing that the person, to get away th that, mm. that scale, mm. is, is really quite complex. Mm. But I've never given up. Mm. So what we're talking about here is you work like, yeah, they're, they're a bit crusted. And so you tell them and you try the dripping tap. You're also bringing others. So you talked about you, you had a, a, a great collaborative partnership in, yeah. in Felix Doe where, where you were a head teacher working with a team and so then they don't just hear it from you they hear it from others that you've been working in in partnership with when they've seen it too you've talked about almost getting them to to hear it in one sense from uh you know from literature or from uh, yeah. research or studies so they go oh yeah well actually if the research is saying this then then maybe what i'm doing is quite good um and and then that key one is just not giving up to keep them hearing what's important to them. So some really great examples there. Um, so then the next stage is to empower. Uh, and my little IP, IP squared grid uh, talks about intensifying their potential. So you've identified what their potential is. You've worked out their heart, their character, uh, what they stand for, and you've helped them see that as part of the process. You've worked out the basic training and support they might need. Now it's about really intensifying that. and. I talk about purposeful apprenticing, personal coaching, and practical reviews. And you, you've already mentioned reviews earlier on. Um, so how important are any of these three things, apprenticing, coaching, and reviews? How important are they? I, th I think for me, it's really, you know, it's all, we've always used it, but it's particularly the personal coaching. Um, I think one of the things that I've learned, you know, in in 33 years of being in schools, mm. personal coaching matters to people because it's that time, energy and effort that they've given over to you. Mm. And, and, and that, that you hold dear and actually you feel that sense of, that sense of belonging with that person. Mm. So that in fact, actually those conversations where you say, like, you know, I've just done this lesson, can, can I come and talk to you about it? Or you get a note through the door, a child arrives in your office and says, ah, oh, Mrs. Girling, you know, you've got to, come and, got to come to the classroom, you've got to see this. And that's when you walk in and you go, yeah, that bit of personal coaching, they want mm. you to come in and have a look. Mm. Then say, that's really good. Yeah. Um, have you thought about this? Yeah. And it's that, that personal time is all that matters mm. in the end. Mm. 
Yeah. So it's that sense of you build relationship through the coaching, uh, through asking them questions. Again, coaching, I think, well, I would say this as a coach, but it's particularly empowering because it is all about helping them see their amazing uh, potential. Um, and, and so one of the key things is for them to work with who they are, because that's what coaching does, is it doesn't try and turn them into something else or someone else they've seen. It's saying, where are you coming from? Um, and, and I do a lot of this in my coaching, help people see who they are, what piece of the jigsaw they are, you know, in terms of, like we said earlier, the David and Goliath example, yeah. what do you bring? What's yeah. your way of, of fighting? Um, how have you gone about that as a, as a leader with your, your team? What, what is it that you've brought? Are there any sort of top tips you've got for our listeners in terms of <laughs> how you've gone about that coaching to help them see who they are and intensifying that? I think... I think just being honest about who who I am and, and what my purpose is. Mm. Um, I think it's really important that, that, you know, my top tip would be never give up. That in every single person that you meet, there are strengths and delights and wonders mm. that in fact actually deserve to come out and deserve to be seen by other people. Um, I think it's it's absolutely crucial. Mm. You know, my, my latter part of headship and, you know, particularly in you know, going through into retirement, I've, I've seen, an, an, you know, in a funny sort of way, a different way of looking at things as well. Mm. It, you know, that, that time, energy and effort and what does it matter to me? I've now given me time mm. to be. And I, in a funny sort of way, I wished I'd looked back. It's going to sound really, really sad, actually. I wished I'd had the coaching that I've had recently. I wished I'd had it in my first year second year of, mm. of headship mm. and then continued to develop that is that outside influences really 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 help mm. Mm. and I wish it, you know not that I should ever look back and go I wished I'd had that but I do really feel that in fact actually my headship and empowering other people would have been even more successful. Mm, mm. And, and so there is this sense, isn't there, that, yeah, we, we can always look back when we discover <laughs> something new and go, oh, if only I'd known that then, yes. I'd have been even better. And we, we, we could almost go, yes, well, my line graph would have been like that instead of like this. Absolutely. Um, and so we can always do that. But then there is this recogni recognition. Well, okay, I didn't discover it then, but I've discovered it now. And yes. I've discovered that through coaching through being able to see who I am and what perspective I bring and therefore as leaders when we help people to do that 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 can be transformational for yeah. them and that that empowering them to see who they are and what they they bring as part of that process so one of the challenges I was interestingly I was I was chatting to a um, a group recently where we were exploring this and uh they were saying that when we, when you want to engage people in opportunities so that's the, the kind of the third part, yeah. um, that what we're trying to do is implement their leadership in kind of purposeful um, activities that are designed for them and helping them to take kind of personal ownership of, of their development and who they yeah. want to be and, and who they want to become as part of that process. And, and one of the things they've said is it can be difficult for smaller organisations um, to kind of sometimes get those purposeful opportunities because they're like if you're a small school or a small business yeah. how can oh, i haven't got that opportunity so how do people go about that in in a smaller organization have you got any kind of advice from your experience about how you can purposefully plan i i think one of the most important things is is getting to know your community getting to know the types of businesses um opportunities that are there mm. um you know, I'm sort of quite interested in, in LinkedIn and those sorts of things and, and actually building connections like that mm. in, in that sort of sort of removed situation. Mm. But therefore, then being able to open it up but is, is to invite people to you, first of all. Instead of sitting there thinking, what can I get from somebody else? Mm. Or I'm a bit shy mm. about what I have to offer. Mm. Is actually getting that out and saying, you know, would you like to come and help me? Would mm. you like to come and visit me? And then start that ball rolling in that way. You know, it's it's absolutely crucial to work with other people because mm. it widens your horizons. It Opportunities crop up that you never thought would mm. be there. Mm. And then before you know it, it grows like topsy and you mm. think, crikey, I now need to slow it down a bit. Yeah. So there's this sense then of looking for who can we partner with if we're a smaller organisation and we want to create opportunities that will empower our team. 
who who could we partner with? Who might bring some different experiences? You yeah. talked also about, you know, is education looking outside and cross-pollinating and looking at businesses, having yeah. conversations there and just exploring together, like, what each organisation might bring and how you might <clears throat> then actually help each other as, as part of that process. Um, yeah, so I think that's really helpful for our listeners just to think, well, don't let your your size or your restricted opportunities stop you. Then say, well, who else is, is around me that I could partner with to bring into that? If it's a school, what other schools are around? What other towns can I, you know, connect with schools in there? What other businesses, charitable organisations? And then think about where the opportunities might come from. I think it's easier that. in a funny sort. I think it's easier now, and those opportunities are 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 out there than it than it has been. And I mm. think people are more interested in finding out about how other people work mm. and and how can that have an impact on you know what's happening. You know, schools are now businesses. Mm. So this idea that not allowing businesses to come and support is mm. is perhaps rather naive. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So our kind of another section is really just what this empowerment looks like in, in kind of reality. And I'm, I'm quite intrigued in some ways about how we transpose empowerment into some, some of our kind of operational functions. So particularly for me around professional development, performance management. I, for many years, it just seemed rather clunky and, you know, right, we had this meeting and we set these targets and it, it just became quite clinical. And, and for me, it doesn't have to be. So from your experience, what, what do you see as how we bring this empowerment approach into something like professional development or performance management? Did you, did you manage to get that a bit more licked than I did? I wouldn't say licked, although I don't think you ever get anything licked in a school situation because yeah. you're always wanting to make it better. Yeah. I think one of the things that we did do slightly differently was performance management. You know, it was supposed to be, a, and it still is, a conversation and a, and a confidential conversation. Mm. But one of the things that we encouraged our staff to be, and, you know, all our staff, is, is to share the targets because the, the targets were there for you as a person mm -hmm. and as a, as a teacher, but also those targets were there for, you know, what did we want to achieve in the school? So there was a shared target that we're all working towards. Mm -hmm. so, th so that became part of sort of like, you know, the poster on the wall in the staff room where we put post-its on to say, this is our shared target. How are we getting on with it? Mm -hmm. So in fact, actually, it was populated by everybody. Um, so that was quite good. That was exciting. Mm. Um, the latter part of working, uh, <coughs> excuse me, in education was understanding the values and value-driven mm. sort of understanding about performance management. Mm. So how did you get across that, you know, the integrity, for instance, as a, as a value? Mm. How, how did that get across, you know, how did you do that in your subject leader role? How did you do that in your classroom role, mm. working with parents? Mm. So, so that's been, you know, a, a move towards sort of like a value-driven. But my, my always worry was for performance management, the targets mm. to do with, you know, success of students. Um, we all want successful students, but you don't always see it by a percentage. Mm. Um, and so we were quite driven about, you know, what did a cl good classroom look like? Mm. And it wasn't always, you know, dare I say it, how many, how many students got level four? Yeah, uh, what percentage <laughs> were expected, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Yeah. So, so there's a sense there, uh, again, I, I like this concept of encouraging an openness amongst people to say, this is what I'm personally working on at the moment. So that it's not just you working on it. There's a sense then that your colleagues support you with opportunities, uh, experience, um, wisdom, yeah. learning that they've come, oh, now you're working on this at the moment. Look, I've just found this uh, piece of yes. research. Will that help you? So that you're not alone in working on that, that target. And then the other key component you've talked about is being values-led yeah. rather than necessarily being numbers-led yes. or target-led yeah. and just say and having that overarching principle and you gave the example there of integrity and what does that kind of look like and so if we were to, to kind of ruminate how actually how important is it then to have empowerment as a key driver for a kind of professional development what would you say are you laughing already <laughs> as i've asked the question it's everything Absolutely everything, because in mm -hmm. fact, actually, that's how you measure success, is how, how empowered are your staff? How positive are they? How, how you know, the extra mile they will go yeah. 
you 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 do all of that because you feel empowered. Yeah. You walk into your organisation, your school, feeling that, yeah, I'm excited to be here. It it might not all go right. Yeah. But it's fine because we do this as a team. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's everything. Professional development is so exciting if it's done as a team, and empowering other people. Yeah. Fantastic. So, uh, Lizzie, I think I think it, you're right. Empowerment. It is is crucial. It's key, isn't it, that, to have that as part of developing yourself as as a person. And when you're leading others in it, it's having that where you're empowering them to take ownership, and as part of that, empowering them to work in partnership with with others. Um, I've, I've just been reminded actually that there's a um, there's a group of schools um, based in Peterborough that I've been working with, um, Barnock, Winyates, and St John's, and they they've got a brilliant project which. Uh, they've kind of driven, asked me to kind of support them in where they really want to empower their staff to kind of identify in themselves, um, to, to feel more confident in who they are. And they're investing time and, and kind of professional development time as part of that and a, a kind of some input, some opportunity for re personal review and reflection and coaching. So really investing in their team in that. But the key principle that's driven them is this they want to empower their staff. Um, and it's come from the staff saying they've identified together it's something we want to, we want to develop our confidence as people and as, uh, as teachers and as leaders as part of that. But it's, it's all to empower them to kind of take ownership of it. And so for me, this personal ownership, I do think is quite important. So we can all do the work as a, as a leader and identify and, and see in them that potential, can't we? They, we can begin to kind of help them illuminate what they are capable of. But until they take that personal ownership then and realize this is a story they want to write, it's never gonna to come to fruition, is it? Because it is, it, we start the ball rolling, but it then should be about them. Yeah. Um, so from your experience, how is it that we make that step then to develop that personal ownership of their own kind of... I, I think by allowing them the opportunities to be part of the decision-makings in, you know, situations in school. Mm. You know, we have to write a self-evaluation of, of the school and everybody has, has their voice. And I think one of the important things is they, they see their voice as words and it's then part and parcel to to the vision, the, the self-evaluation, you know, talking to governors, talking to parents, talking to all the outside agencies that come into school, that in fact, actually, they're owning of the vision. They just do it in their own words. Mm -hmm. But they like to see those words on a piece of paper that says, yeah, that's what it is. So, you know, writing a pupil premium strategy, writing, you know, how we're gonna work with special needs children. It's absolutely crucial that those words are, you know, we have lovely websites and opportunities where those words are there. They're not my words when I was head. They were the Senko's words because, in fact, actually she embodied that because of the coaching then and the support that we've done in school. Mm. Um, and it, therefore, it, you know, our community then understood what we stood for, not me personally because it wasn't my school. It was our school. And so therefore they could see their purpose within all, all the things that they did. So for year four was talking about what they were going to be learning about that term. It was, it was there. It was mm. their vision, their words, their excitement, their pushing, their ownership. And once you feel that you belong and that sense of ownership in a school or in any organisation, going the extra mile is, is it's not a mile, it's a tiny little millimetre. Mm. So what I'm picking out of what you've described there is for that personal ownership in who you are, who you want to be, who you want to become, if you've got that sense of belonging, I belong to this community, therefore I have value. If you've got that sense of value in who you are as part of that jigsaw puzzle contribution towards yeah. that as well, that, that if we've enabled them to see who they are, what they bring and their place, that that then empowers them to take ownership, not just of their own self journey, but actually the journey then of others around them. So you've then described that, you know, the Senko then writes the bit that goes on the website because they, they own that and believe in that. And that's their contribution uh, that comes as part of it. So there's this sense then that 
our role as leaders is to help them, it comes back again, see who they are, what contribution they make, and when they get that, they will be driven to want to be the best person they can be, and also the best teacher, the best senko, the best leader, some working business, you know, the best whatever their job title yeah. is. Yeah. But it all comes about helping them see who they are and that they are valued as part of that community and, and give a contribution to it. And, and then, you know, that the leader can step back. So, you, you know, sometimes we're seen as the, the, the face of the school. Mm. And yes, that is to a certain extent. But the opportunity then allows us to then step back and mm. say, I'm, I'm not the face of how we work with special needs children. And that's the mm. Senko's role. Mm. So you, I, you can step back and go, she's the person you need to speak to, mm. not me. Mm. And, and that, that, do you know, that, those opportunities made me feel amazing. Yeah. So what you're talking about there is that the leadership culture you then create moves from being quite dependent on you as the main leader, moving yep. through independent to interdependent. Yeah all because you've invested yeah. and illuminated in them and empowered them as part of that process. And so they now, because they, again, you talked earlier about being values-driven, they understand the value that, that what is stood for here. You could almost, it's almost like winding up the clock mouse and letting it go because they know then what direction to head in because yeah. they're empowered as part of that process. You know, I remember doing it in a class, you know, when I was, you know, whatever class I was taking. You, the investment was was there all the way through the autumn term, every single minute of the day, mm. that investment into those children. Mm. And then round about January, February time, there were opportunities where you could set the scene, give them, they knew where everything was, give them the tools, everything, mm. and you could almost step back. And the de desire to watch your class in the process of investigating something was just amazing. Mm. And as a head, to stand back and watch CPD run by other members of staff, yeah, that was the biggest glow ever. Mm. That really, mm. that that was just, you know, I'd drive home feeling. Mm. Those are the times where I'd cracked it. Mm. <laughs> and, and all, and it's all the pieces of the jigsaw we just talked about because you've spent time, you've invested them, you've got to know them, you've helped them see what they're capable of, know their place, and then when, as you say, you see them blossom in that way because you've empowered them. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're drawing towards a close now. Just a couple more questions and then we'll be uh, thinking about your top tips, Lizzie, <laughs> which is what we bring into the, the podcast. Yep. We always end on our top tips. But this, the last thing, a couple of questions, just to think around impact. So we've described some impact there in one sense, haven't we? You know, people that have moved to interdependent leadership where they can actually roll with it themselves. Yep. But, but what other kind of impact do you think you, that we have when we empower people? It's one of those things that you sit there thinking, you know, you should, I should know that. But it's almost, it's innately, you just think, I don't, oh. it's a really difficult question to answer. But what do, what do we see then in, in the people? <laughs> for, for those listening on the tape, the, that noise was uh, <laughs> Lizzie pretending to punch me um, for asking such a naughty question. So if, if we think about what, what's the, when we empower people, what do we see in those that we are empowering? What's the impact in the person? It's just utter confidence and exudes out of every single pore mm. that, they, that they have, that they, that the way they talk, the way they walk, the way they, they write, they communicate. And I think one of the most important is, is their smile. Mm. And, you know, those twinkly eyes. And you know that it's been successful when you've, you know, done a, you know, super lesson mm. and you've got twinkly eyes in children. Mm. It's the same for adults. Mm. And also that, that feeling of being able to say to them, well done, that was really good. Mm. Really like that. Mm. That is absolutely, you know, there's not enough of that mm. in, in anybody's walk of mm. life. Is to say, turn around to somebody and say, do you know what? That was lovely. I, I, I didn't want to leave the lesson. I've got mm. goosebumps. That was so exciting. Mm. Um, and then you can see that that wash that goes over them going, crikey, yeah. Mm, mm. Yeah, that, that was good. I enjoyed that mm. too. So what you're talking, you talk, you called it the <laughs> twinkle. You see the twinkle in their eyes. But what we're talking about there is this, uh, it's a word we perhaps don't use that often, but a sense of joy. Yes. We're not talking about laughter joy. We're talking about that inner, yeah, you're tapping your chest there. <laughs> She's now apologizing for bashing the microphone. Uh, um, 
Yeah, that inner sense, it's this mixture, isn't it, of peace and happiness, which is kind of what joy is, that contentment, yes. that sense of you are who you are operating in a way that that is bringing enhancement to others. Um, and, and as you just described it, and you see it in the twinkle in their eye. Yeah. And then that opportunity to say, well done, that has just made a difference to somebody else. Um, and what about then the impact on your organisation? So, <laughs> Lizzie, you're going round, you know, spending time investing in people, and what you're seeing is the joy in the, and and the twinkle. What about the wider organisation? What about those, like in the case of schools that you're seeking to serve? What's the impact of empowering individuals, but on the organisation? I think one of the, you know, one of the. The difficult things in any school is is their reputation, um, and what's really nice is when you you hear about your school being talked mm. about in in a positive way, um, in so much as you know I you know, I've, I've been there it felt really good, you know uh, we used to open our our school up for meetings for the local authority and all mm. the rest of it and it was really nice when they would walk around and go wow that's really good. Mm. We really like that teacher, what they were doing. I really loved that way that teacher spoke to that individual child. You, you know, they, they supported that behaviour really, really well. And it, it makes you feel it makes you feel good because in fact actually the community sees it. Mm. You know, parents, uh, other agencies within Felix Day would come in and say, We're really pleased, we want to mm. continue to support you. Mm. And it's it's hearing about that reputation, but also it's hearing as as all the children are walking out at the end of the day, we, mm. we'd stand at the gate and say, "See you tomorrow." Oh, I've had a great day, and they'd stop to talk. You know, we always have to remember those those are our mm. those are our people that we want to make a difference mm. to. Mm. So mm. if they're telling us about it at the end of the day, and mm. they come in the office or they come and see you, I've had a great day. That's all made you keep coming back for mm. more. So what you're talking about is the impact you can have is creating a culture because, of course, how do we create a culture? Well, it's one person at a time, isn't it? And you're talking about twinkling in all these eyes. Uh, that means they're operating. And so people will see that culture throughout. And then you've talked in the case of your school where actually people are spotting the differences they're making to core things that you do as a school, like you talked about behaviour or the way children are learning. And and I know when I visited your school on a number of occasions where, you know, we had a, a pupil that we shared for a while, um, that you could tell the difference in terms of people's, uh, your, your staff's mindset, attitude, yeah. you could see it and you say almost taste it, you could see it in the children. So what you're talking about there is that when we empower individuals, and we're empowering a number of individuals, that collaboration then of those individuals means you change a culture, means you change yeah. uh, a kind of ethos, but also the delivery of the whatever, in case of schools, learning yeah. uh, and, and safety and well-being for children. Because you've created these people that are empowered to know their place in it uh, yeah. as part of that process. So Lizzie, that's, that is fantastic. It's always a joy meeting with you. Uh, we always have a bit of a chuckle, um, but also we've, in, in the Leadership Lounge, we've had quite a bit of learning today around this whole thing around empowering others. Really key thing about taking time, listening and discovering who people are. But that clarity for you right at the beginning, know who you are as the leader as well as part of that process and helping them see their place, their jigsaw puzzle that they contribute towards the whole and seeing actually you've been given this strength, talents that you can utilize. And when people work within that and use that, it, in, it kind of livens them up, brings the twinkle as you called it, uh, that sense of joy in them. And then collaboratively, all these people of joy means you, you actually raise um, standards within your organization yep. as well. Yep. So we're at that time now for uh, your top tip uh, or tips. Um, if for our listeners in the leadership lounge, and if they're looking about thinking, yeah, I've heard some stuff today about empowering others as a leader and how important that is, but what would you say are the top tips you'd want them to go away with? I, I think the most important thing, the thing that's at top of top top of my list, would be to give yourself time um, to think to allow yourself the opportunity to think about a subject and then go back to it. Mm. But give yourself time as a leader to give yourself time to think and share and work it out. Um, 
I've got three top tips. That's a bit. That's, that's a bit. Right. That's well, a bit naughty, I'll let you because I like you, Lizzie. I let you, right. Well, I like all my guests clearly. Yeah, well, they, yeah, that's well, why they're invited we... on. But I'll let you, <laughs> uh, just in case any of our other guests are listening, thinking, "Oh, Colin said to Lizzie that he liked us. Did he not like me? I like all my guests, in case any of them listening." Um, but Lizzie, I like you. Let you have three. So your first one then is just to take time. time. Is it just to think it through and plan into yes. a certain extent your impact and, and you know that so the element of that is not to rush into anything mm-hmm. you know i i was always a, of a tendency to rush into things mm-hmm. and i think when i look back i would say give, give i wish i'd given myself more yeah. time so that's number one is it number one yeah Num- number two would be to really know your strengths mm-hmm. is that you to know your strengths as the yeah, leader as a leader yeah and to understand that it's not a hierarchy of of the the strengths that are good and the strengths that are mm-hmm. seemingly not so good um, they are your strengths mm. and pleasure in those strengths, yeah. utterly pleasure in those strengths. Mm-hmm. And don't think, oh, I haven't got that one. Mm. So, yeah. And I think that's really important that, oh, why, 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 you know, why haven't I got strategic on that? Yeah. Heck, never mind. But I, what I love about that top tip is that almost then opens the doorway to the jigsaw puzzle that we talked about earlier, yes. doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You've beat, that was going to be my third tip. Well, tell us your third tip then. The third tip, but then because you know what your strengths are and pleasure in those is is then actually find the the rest of the people that will then support your organisation in balancing out those strengths, Mm. which is one of, you know, I say nobody needs two Lizzie's in a school. Um, And that's that's the skill in any leader is being able to find the other people that will provide that balance Mm. for any school Mm. or any organisation. Those are my three top tips. That's lovely. Thank you, Lizzie. Uh, It's been a joy, uh, as always, meeting up with you, spending time in the Leadership Lounge. uh, And I know our guests have plenty to to mull and dissect around this really important issue as leaders for us to empower those that we work with. Uh, So thank you for joining me on the Leadership Lounge. Thank you listeners also uh, for joining us on the Leadership Lounge. And we hope you join us again uh, next month as we look at our next topic on the Leadership Lounge.